This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. One, two, three, Good morning and welcome in to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst with Tagno alongside 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivins. Andrew Ivins, where have you been? We missed you last Thursday. Well, that's right. It's your honeymoon. But you're I back. Would. You're back in the saddle. And we're happy to have you back, my friend. How are you doing, Drew? I'm doing good. You can never really figure out when to take time off, right? I take <laughs> take a few days off, and now what? Seventy five percent of the top two four sevens committed. I think something like that. That's right. As of right now, one eighty four of the top two four seven is committed. So seventy five percent are right, right around there. But hold on, I don't don't change the subject. I still want to talk about the honeymoon. How was it? Do you feel recharged? I know you read a book. I was excited about that. I do feel recharged, man. Um, a lot of sun, a lot of adult beverages, a lot of time with the with the wife. It was good to get away and just unplug. Never, I think I only attached to Wi-Fi, but I wasn't, you know, trying to read what I could, but just to get away from it. Much, much needed. Did Therapeutic. You find, did Did you find yourself? Was it easy to to put the phone down, or was it were you? Like, did you notice yourself trying to grab for it every now and then? Easy to put it down after a day or two. Right. <laughs> well, good deal. Good to have Drew back. Drew, let's let's well, talk let me some. let me ask you. Yeah. I saw you. Were you doing a cooking class last night? What, what cooking class last night? Yeah. What's what's the backstory on that? Elizabeth got a gift card for her birthday in January. So this one had been in the works for a while. We just couldn't find a time. And it was, I mean, it was long. It was like three hours. But it's more of like, it's like a ride along. You know, you're not there. You're not really like, we made a little bit of pasta, but it was nothing, nothing crazy. Great meal at the end of it. It was fun. I liked it. Renaissance man, learning to cook. (laughs) Got to keep it interesting. All right, Drew. The state of Florida, Florida, Florida State, Miami. We always talk a, a lot about those three busy week for those guys. And let's start with Florida. They land Kendall Jackson, number 36 defensive lineman out of the Sunshine State. Also, Teddy Foster as well, another native of the state of Florida, number 60 corner Gators. No movement, I believe, still at number three in the 24-7 sports composite team rankings. But this is a class, Drew, for Billy Napier and company that just kind of feels like this is it, right? I mean, obviously, you you have to have the result on the field. But if you're looking for, I would say, the ideal class and blueprint for Florida going forward, it's a lot of what they've done this year in 2024. But let's start with Kendall Jackson. Drew, your thoughts on him? 
Well, I mean, we've highlighted it in the past, really like what they're doing on the defensive line. And now they add a, a local kid who, I mean, back when I was doing the regional stuff and in the interviews, it seemed like Kendall Jackson was kind of a layup and he went through the recruiting process, you know, took official visits to Miami, Kentucky, Arkansas, but, but jumps in the boat for Florida. And I think that's where they need to get better right in the trenches. And when you look at this, front seven group. I mean, we love the linebackers they have committed. Miles Graham, Adarius Hayes, Aaron Childs. And then you go towards the line of scrimmage, Jamonte Waller, Amarius Williams, Nasir Johnson. And now they're throwing Kendall Jackson into the fold. So I, I, I think that's that's the storyline right there. Like Florida, what they're doing in the front seven, they know they got to get better there if they're going to compete with Georgia and, and the other you know, top dogs in the SEC. And I think they're doing that here uh, as they prepare for the 2023 season. He's a good football player. I mean, when you turn on the tape, I mean, this is a guy, I think he had double-digit sacks, right? 12 and a half, right around there. Uh, yes. 20-plus yeah. tackle for loss. And he's like the ideal Jack in that three-three-five that that Florida likes to play. 6'3-plus, 250 pounds. He's got 35-inch arms. He's got – I think he's six foot five plus on the six foot six plus on the wing. So there are a lot of redeeming qualities there. The other thing about him, I don't know how much more physical upside there is to his game, but he is a high-floor player. And then when you talk about what Florida has brought in already, not only last year on the defensive line, but what they're bringing in this year at the second level, you brought up guys like Jamonte Waller, who's got on and off ball ability. Darius Hayes is another guy that we really like. Miles Graham, Aaron Childs. They have a little bit of everything. They're a super intriguing position, scheme, versatile front seven that they're building here. That's what they needed to do. Again, yeah, Kendall Jackson. I, I think the first line I right I have in his scouting report is scheme versatile. Like I don't I don't know what he's going to be or or where he's going to end up, but. He's got the size. I think it just kind of depends on what he looks like after a year or two on campus, but um, a, a lot to like. And they took a kid out of that same school, Buholz, last year in Gavin Hill in the cycle as well. So lots to like if you're Florida, I think, just with that, that D-line group. It's such a – this year is so important for them on the field because when you, when you take a look under the hood, even in year one – I, I like what Florida did. And then you think about, okay, if they can get this class to the finish line, there is a ton to be excited if you're a Florida fan. The biggest thing is they need to show improvement on the field and continue to let this roster really grow, develop, and blossom under Billy Napier. So it, it's it's strange where it's like to see the long-term gain, you have to have the short-term success. It's this balance. Um, Drew, Teddy Foster, number 60 corner. I'm, I'm excited, you know, kind of going through the rundown this morning. For a lot of these guys, it's kind of either the first time I've seen them or I'm going back and I'm getting eyes on them for the first time in, in a while. Teddy Foster was a guy that I had not seen yet at this point, number 60 corner in the country out of Cardinal Mooney. Your thoughts on him? I think he's got tools. I mean, someone I think we would like to get more, I don't know, like, data points on exposure. I mean, he isn't a guy that has been on the, the camp circuit, plays basketball in the winter months, not not a big seven-on-seven seven guy, which isn't the end-all, be-all. But 
Uh, easy to see why they took him, why, why Florida made a move on him. I mean, he is there in, uh, you know, the I-4 corridor, kind of right right there, Sarasota. Um, he's got size, got ball skills. I mean, what did you what did you think of him? I liked him a lot. I, and, you know, following the recruitment a little bit, I, he didn't pick up a Florida offer until May. Is that correct? That was a spring eval offer. And I think only had one or two other official visits outside of Florida, Oregon State being one of them. North Carolina as well. And North Carolina as well. So to me, what I liked about Teddy Foster, he didn't have a ton of two-way production, but there was enough on tape to see the way that he played offensively. I like the ball skills. I like the ability to track and attack the football in the air. And then you turn on the tape on the defensive side of the ball, you see some of those things. He plays aggressively. He is an assertive defensive back. And a lot of times, sometimes when you have the specs, there's guys who play unsure of themselves and aren't willing. I think the benefit of being a two-way prospect is you play a little bit faster and there's less thinking. And I like that with Teddy Foster. So I, I know, you know, obviously Florida made the spring evaluation there. I'm excited about seeing him this fall. Yeah, and he's got some he's got some young underclassmen teammates as well. Like Cardinal Mooney has never really been a, a how should I phrase it like a power where there's been guys like, but there are some kids there. So definitely, I don't know if there's an uptick in in, in transfers or whatnot. But a school I ha, I have circled on my personal like all right, gotta gotta watch at least one, uh, hopefully maybe in person. Cardinal Mooney, but no, I, I, and you know, Corey Raymond, the, the primary on him. I mean, he's a guy that has a certain style of corner he looks for. And I think Teddy Foster falls right into that ca category. Like you said, aggressive can go find the football and he's got the length. I li like for Florida, you have to have good plate discipline. I was thinking about that earlier and what, it, what I like to call it, but like, that's the analogy when you're in a talent rich state like Florida or you're in a talent rich state like Georgia, you have to have plate discipline. What I mean by that is, is not every player with the pulse is a take, right? So differentiating the guys, doing your homework, getting them to campus, seeing them move around in person, the spring evaluation, the summer evaluation, having them on campus. And then are they wired the right way? So I like to see these type of evaluations in state guy like Kendall Jackson, Teddy Foster. To me, Teddy Foster's got developmental upside as a starter. And I think Kendall Jackson is going to add a lot of depth to a very talented front seven group for Florida. So I like what Florida's doing, Billy Napier in state. Drew, before we get to Florida State, let me just remind those of you who are listening out there, make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcasts, Apple, Spotify included. Also, if you have a question, make sure – to leave a review. That is the place to do it, guys. We appreciate you listening. Show has seen exponential growth, I think. Is that, I, I don't know, maybe that's a little bit too aggressive, but we are very pleased uh, with uh, the feedback we've been getting. So, guys, we appreciate you listening. Drew, Florida State, I, to me, like all three programs are a winner here, and we're going to knock them down one by one. But Florida State, they add Makai Danzi, number nine athlete, in the top 247, Jonathan Daniels, one of the more intriguing interior offensive linemen in the country. And then Ty Hilton, um, uh, I would say a guy that watching this morning, I, you can see the redeeming qualities in him as well. So Florida State, all those guys, uh, 
from the state of Florida, right? So, Drew, I'll let you take this wherever you want to take it. To me, this is a um, this is a, a fascinating couple couple of parts for Mike Norvell and the Seminoles. Well, I think we should peel the curtain back. I mean, I think me and you have kind of gone back and forth about where we see Danzy, who is the top two four seven athlete right there in Tallahassee. He goes to Florida State University School. I mean, it's like literally right there. Um, he's a kid with SEC track offers. I mean, he's a big time track and field guy. I think LSU and Auburn had both offered them. Florida 2A state champ in the 200 and the 400, also was third in the long jump. You know, he placed in all three events the year before that. You know, I, I think I view him more as a running back. I think you've said, well, you know, what about defensive back? I could see that there as well. Um, so I, it's it's a, certainly a, a notable addition. I'm just kind of interested to hear or, or or see where where Florida State plans to utilize him once he actually you know makes the the short trek across campus because he's a guy that has you know the height, the weight, and the speed. It's a moot point to some extent because it's like take the athlete and figure it out, right? There's a reason that we have him labeled as an athlete, but. I mean, once you hear 6'1", 175, six foot five plus wing, he's got a four one three shuttle, and almost eleven foot broad, ten foot ten broad, and then you take into consideration everything you just listed off with his track and field accolades as well. He's a dynamic athlete. To me, when when you see that and you see that physical clay and you see that length, and then you see him work out in person. I don't think he's the most natural runner. That's like that's exa- the, it, Sorry, go ahead. That's exactly how I kind of view him as well. It's like, I mean, don't get me wrong. When he gets the corner, not many people are, are catching him with that stride, but he doesn't really have like the short area agility. I think he's very patient, kind of feels it out. But once he finds the crease, he is gone. But he also looks like a corner playing running back <laughs> in terms of the frame, right? Yeah. So I, I I do think that you know Florida State is is going to be in a position where I, if I had to guess what would happen is they'll get him on campus, they'll let him play running back, try his turn there, and then they'll have that in the back of their mind, right? Like we we know we have an elite athlete here, and we have a plan B if plan A doesn't work. I agree with you, Drew. Like he's one of those guys. He gets in the open field. He's so dynamic. Right, that he he has a lot of production at the running back position. I just think his future on Saturdays and Sundays is going to be at the defensive back position. And this is a guy, the sooner that you can get him in that position room and start coaching him up and getting him right from a technical standpoint. I mean, the sky's the limit, Drew. He he has top 32 athletic potential in his body. And I think you're at Florida State, it makes it easier to take him and be and tell him, hey. You're going to be a running back for us when you when you have a guy like Cam Davis already committed, who is short, is compact, does have that shiftiness at the line of scrimmage, can power through guys. Like I think they're kind of the perfect complement for each other in a recruiting class. And we always talk about it, man. You got to build out your running back room to kind of be a, a by committee approach, right? Guys, ride the hot hand. What's going to work tonight, this given Saturday? And I think those two, that combination, uh, certainly is going to work well. 
reminds me a little bit in terms of at least the conversation surrounding him of Jelani McDonald last cycle. Like nobody really knew what we were going to do with him, right? And then he showed up and showed up in San Antonio, played corner, uh, primarily a position that he really hadn't played up until that point, and he had a really good week. It was yeah, pretty natural to him. What were we saying, like linebacker, safety, or something like that? We had no idea. You know, he had our mind in a pretzel. We just knew we liked him. Right? Jul- it was a, it was all about just figuring out where where does he fit in this big puzzle. And for those that forgot Jelani McDonald, longtime Oklahoma State commit. I think I think there was a game where he scored on special teams, had a pick six, like threw for a touchdown and ran for a touchdown or, or something. It was something wild like that. Yeah, he was he was special. Um, all right, Drew, the next one, a couple offensive linemen, Jonathan Daniels out of Pine Forest High School. This is an intriguing one. And, and, and another one, if you're Alex Atkins, like I get it. I get it. Six four and a quarter, two seventy two, seven foot plus wing. Tested extremely well. Don't forget the big hands. Big hands, like eleven old, inch man. hands, thirty six yeah. and a half inch arms. Now, take the arm length with a grain of salt. We've said that multiple times. Even if you're two inches off, you're in a good spot, right? At thirty four and a half. I like the film from him. He is a he's a lean frame. He's kind of built different, right? Carries his weight exceptionally well. Really good athlete. I like him inside. I mean, he plays left tackle right now. I I do like him inside. And Pine Forest is a school that not right there in Tallahassee, but in the Panhandle has started to churn out more and more NFL players. I think they've had a corner selected in back-to-back NFL drafts. And I think they've had some uh, some other guys as well. I, I think with Jonathan Daniels, just he's got to get more nasty, more nasty at the point of attack. And this is coming from in-person evaluations, right? I think when you pop on the highlight tape, you see one thing, you see him in different settings, and it's it's a bit of a different story. But when it comes to what you just said, the features, the measurables, I mean, they are extremely rare. Some of the best, I, I would say, probably in, in the South for this cycle for me, it just has to get better in the trenches, embrace that life, you know, banging heads in the middle. So, you know, what was in- intriguing about him? I actually liked him better on tape than I liked him in the in-person evaluation, which was a little bit of, of a surprise because you're looking at the the testing numbers and you're expecting one thing and you get another. Right. Which isn't a bad thing, right? I mean, you, you, you know what caliber of athlete he is. And then you see the flashes on tape. I like, I, I like that take for Florida state. Another guy, they end up taking Ty Hilton, number 97 offensive tackle drew height, weight, six, four, two seventy. That's estimated, right? We don't have a verified height weight on, on Ty Hilton plays left tackle. I think this is another guy that could potentially move inside. I was going to say, I think he, he makes sense in terms of probably has four or five spot position versatility. Could be a swing tackle, probably more of an interior guy. I mean, I'm not going to knock any direction of what Alex Atkins wants to go on the on the offensive line. He knows what he's doing. We we praised him how you know how many times last cycle. Uh, I think with Ty, just someone want to see what he looks like as a senior. Another guy that has been a bit of a not a ghost, but 
wasn't someone that there's a ton of verified information on at Oviedo High School, home of, I believe, Blake Bortles played his football there in Oviedo, right down the road from UCF. So I, I think if you're going – I'm in the belief of volume shooting on the offensive line. I mean, I'm assuming this is a guy that they've gotten on campus. It makes sense to me, and I like the versatility. You watch him a little bit, and I, I kind of think center. I think he's got guard center versatility, but I, I, I like the feet. He can sit in the bucket. He can anchor. He's comfortable. I like the take. So Florida, Florida State, that leaves one left. Miami. Drew, I wasn't last week, maybe two weeks ago, we were kind of dishing on Miami a little bit, and I was expecting more up until this point in the cycle. They go out and they get JoJo Trader, number three athlete in the country, then Artavius Jones, number 19, defensive lineman, both members of the top 247. Hurricanes now up to number 14. In the country, Drew, I think before you left, you came out here and said there, there was a lot of smoke to JoJo Trader going to Miami. You left us with that nugget. That ends up happening. I mean, in your estimation, like what What does this mean for Miami? How big is this get for them? This is the receiver they haven't got from South Florida. And I think Josiah Trader, he was at their legends camp showed up out of nowhere, worked out, ran a few routes, and it was easy to see, like, this This is a guy. I think he's one of the best when it comes to tracking the football and making acrobatic catches. Like, yes, there's guys that can win 50-50 balls and, and be these big perimeter targets and box defenders out. Traders just different in the sense if he leaps up there and he just comes down with it. You've I've seen it numerous times at pads. I've seen it on the seven on seven circuit. I've seen it him do it in camps. Like he just makes these catches and you're like, Whoa, how did he, how did he do that? How did he get his body in that position? And uh, this is, this is the one that kind of blew up my phone when I was down in uh, on the honeymoon. I, I, I was told that it was happening and, you know, so I had to send some texts. So everyone was prepared back, back in the, uh, back in the States. And uh, I, I think it's a, I think Miami needed this one, right, in terms of where the kind of recruiting was and, and they get a, a legitimate playmaker from one of the top talent-producing schools in the region. They get him committed. And I, I've always thought Josiah Trader was kind of a Miami kid. You kind of hear his story interact with different people around him. So I think it would have stung if he got away and, and and Florida State was in there, Florida was in there, Ohio State at different times. But this is one Miami needed to get. And years past when it felt that way, they haven't got that individual, and they ended up getting him. I, I don't know like how high the ceiling is on JoJo Trader, but he is a damn good football player. Like When you turn on the tape, you're like, okay, you walk away from it. You're like, I know that guy's going to be a guy. Super high floor, competitive, two-way prospect, excellent ball skills, attacks, understands how to utilize his frame, strong at the catch point and after the catch as well. He's just – he always just comes up with the big play at the, at the big moment. And he's someone that was at Miami Central as a junior, like had a pick six in the title game, you know, playing opposite of wide receiver one for us, Jeremiah Smith as a junior at, at Shamanan Madonna prep, like 
probably not a ton of targets going to come your way. And and still, you know, 473 yards. I've always thought he could be a, like very, very interesting, the thought process of making him a defender, because I think he's a natural there. I've seen him do it. Um, but Miami needs him on offense. And I think when you think about Shannon Dawson, that spread attack, he's a guy that should offer some versatility in, in terms of where you can line him up. I would anticipate them getting him involved in, on special teams. And he is a a brand name down in South Florida. I, I always kind of talk about these different types of kids, but for some reason, some kids – a lot of other individuals look up to them and and you'll see these kids go to different schools around the country and you'll ask them about a certain school oh well I, you know for example the, the big one was at auburn sean worm williams it was a shamanad madonna kid everyone knew about auburn because of of worm and then he goes to indiana and the indiana coaches would tell me every south florida kid asks us how's worm doing and i think josiah trader could have that same type of effect for Miami. It's going to make more people look towards what's going on in Coral Gables. So uh, big addition a, across the board. And again, I think one they needed to get done and they got it done. They seem to me like they're building a very confident identity to that receiver room. I mean, you think about Robbie Washington, Nathaniel Joseph, Chance Robinson, and now you bring in Josiah Trader. I mean, all of these guys, when you turn on the tape, have a certain competitive temperament to them. The two that I mentioned from the last cycle, I mean, you talk about guys that like, tell me that these guys are a fit for Miami. You don't even have to say anything, but show <laughs> me the tape, right? Yeah. And, and that's both Nathaniel Joseph and Robbie Washington. And I think JoJo Trader kind of fits that as well. And they needed to upgrade in terms of size, Drew. I mean, that was that was a huge need for them on the perimeter because they have the two guys inside that can go. And those dudes, more than anything, like you said, like they scream Miami to me. And they need that they need that competitive edge back as a program. And I think grabbing guys like this is only going to help them. You know what? I, I forgot to tell you this, but I had heard from someone that. There's a chance Robbie Washington could play some DB in Miami. It, I don't is think that you like find more that's... like a short-term solution, or more like a that's where they think he projects long-term. More best. like more like more like he might have got some run there, and they're like, okay, like we we He's like a football this. player. <laughs> He's a ball player. Drew the other one, Artavius Jones, who you know I've been thinking of a player comp for him. In one that it's not super clean, but he kind of reminds me of Aleem McNeil. Played at NC State. Okay, I can see that. Big body, a little bit. I don't I don't want to say tweener. I said that on Twitter and I kind of got some blowback on that. But Aleem McNeil, super versatile, played running back in high school. Signs with NC State, I think was a second round draft pick of the Detroit Lions a couple years ago. Artavius Jones is one of the more like entertaining evaluations that I think we'll have this cycle. And we love we 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 love the 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 two-way production. And he's not just a guy that's playing both sides of the line of scrimmage. He's playing running back. 
H-back. He's catching passes. He's running the rock. And then you add into the fact that like 280 pounds, we need to get an updated height weight, but at, at, I believe as a junior playing basketball, was averaging 10 and 8 on the hardwood. I like this guy. I mean, we, we talked a lot about Kendall Jackson and scheme versatility, position versatility. I think Artavius Jones can be one of the more disruptive interior linemen that we see in this cycle. I love this get for Miami, and this is one that I don't think is going to be talked about enough. So I kind of want to rubber stamp it on this podcast. I think this dude is a freak, and I think he's going to be a problem at the next level. And you combine him with a guy like Ruben Bain, all of a sudden you got you got some poetry in motion. Those two are going to be two bulls in a china shop. He's a big man that is a functional athlete. And it's funny you mentioned the word freak. It's getting close to that time of the year. <laughs> Starting to work on work on the list. Um, that was kind of ringing in my head on the flight back from the honeymoon. Uh, there is When I first heard Artavius Jones' name, there was because it used to be the spring evaluation period, right? These college coaches would go out on the road and they would exchange notes, but it's so accelerated now that I feel like this takes place now more in January, right? So usually most of the seniors are signed. So when they go out on the road in January, yeah, there's a few lingering guys they're chasing, but it's really turned to evaluating that upcoming cycle. And I remember I started getting calls about Artavius Jones. Hey, have you seen this kid? No, I've not seen this kid. He's in, in the panhandle, kind of in the middle of nowhere, Blountstown, which played for a Florida state title in one of the smaller classifications. And someone said, put this kid's tape on, watch watch him move around. And, and there's one clip where I think he catches the ball out of the backfield. Maybe it's a handoff and he literally just hurdles someone. And it's, it's one of the more impressive clips out there for this 280 pound individual to take the ball in the open field, hurdle someone and, and make his way towards the end zone. So I, I agree with you, Cooper. I think probably an individual that's going to need a crash course. He's going to need to find his bearings, but I think at minimum, he's going to be able in a eight, nine man rotation to provide some, some juice up the middle. Right, be be a little bit of a spark plug in, in passing situations, and I think Miami they've talked about assembling one of the greatest defensive line classes ever. Hasn't come to fruition yet. Remember Jason Taylor, the former NFL legend, is is spearheading that room now. He's done an excellent job. You pair him with Marquise Lightfoot. You mentioned Ruben Bain from last year. And I, yeah, I, I see what you're putting down and I like that player comp McNeil. He's um, I mean, it, these guys are kind of my favorite kind of like jumbo athletes. You don't really know where they fit, you know, quick twitch explosive can line them up anywhere. I think they kind of give you an advantage and allow you to be very, very multiple on the defensive line. So there you have it. Sunshine state recap, Florida, Florida state, Miami, Florida, right now at number three, Florida state at number 11, which if you're a Seminoles fan, with how much you've leaned on the transfer portal, right? I mean, this is this is a really good sign with where you are in high school recruiting right now. Miami at number 14, it seems like Miami, Drew, is just starting to get going here, right? Like expect some more fireworks out of them down the line. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Drew, a lot of other commitments, like you said. I mean, 75% in the top 247 wrapped up. Caleb Odom, number six tied in in the country out of Carrollton High School in Georgia, commits to Alabama. We kind of saw this one coming. Bama starting to get it rolling as well. Drew, Caleb Odom, I, I was watching him again this morning. I think I've been looking at him through the wrong lens. Six foot five, 215 pounds, had over 1,100 yards receiving last year, 13 touchdowns. And the majority of his production is it's it's on the perimeter. Like you don't see anything in line. He is really a receiver that I think we are just projecting to continue to grow. But every time I watch him, I'm like, you know, he he's either one of those flex types that you don't ask a lot of in line. That's really just a bigger body receiver that you play for mismatch purposes. I can't really think of a comp. So I've gone, I've been all over the place with the comps. <laughs> and I'm a, I'm a huge Caleb Odom guy. And right, you turn on the tape, 1,000 yards last year at Carrollton. He's primarily just this big wide receiver, but he can make people you know miss in space. And he's got a huge catch radius. And my big question was, whenever I see this kid, how big can he get? You know, how, it, what... What do the features look like in person? Saw him at overtime, OT7 in Orlando. And right away, you're like, all right, this frame can probably hold 235 pounds. Now, do I ever think he's going to be an inline guy? No. I, I, I mean, maybe a few years in, he can start chipping and whatnot. But I, I just think he's he's a mismatch. And, and the comp I settled on, on his profile, Elijah Higgins, who was at Stanford, selected by the Miami Dolphins. Now, Caleb's a little bit longer than him but it's the same thing is he wide receiver is he a tight end i don't really think it matters just get him in the offense draw some mismatches and i and i think it it could work and i and with tommy reese there now running the offense or or having a, a major hand in it i'm excited to see what they kind of scheme up and 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 how they utilize a guy like this um let me find the other the other name I had here. He he reminded me of Malachi Dupree. And I don't know, like if I mean you got to be a fan to remember that name. Uh, played at LSU back in the day. Was a John Curtis. Was a dual sport guy, I believe. Basketball as well. Had a lot of expectations. Former five star. Uh, you know, you think about him and his his frame. I mean, he was only six foot two, but the way they played in terms of the play style above the rim weren't a lot of inline breaking uh, route 
that wasn't really part of his game in terms of the route tree. So I don't, I don't know. Here's the other, the other one, Bryson Nesbitt. You know who that is tight end at tight end at North Carolina. Kind of the same thing. Not he was more of a late bloomer than Caleb Odom, but dad played in the NFL. Basketball first kid. Caleb Odom was actually, I, I believe, at one point tracking to be a basketball prospect. He had some looks, and he's Bryson's listed at 235. So I think he's a little bit thicker than Caleb Odom at this stage, but he is one of Drake May's favorite targets there in, in Chapel Hill. So that's another one that that's come to mind. But he's kind of one of one, I think, Caleb Odom. Very interesting evaluation. Player comps aside. He's a good football player. We're very excited. We're excited about that. We're excited about him, Alabama. Nick Saban certainly excited about him as well. Our Drew, uh, to me, like the Oyster Boys darling here, Arkansas. I was surprised by this one. I was surprised by this one too. When Some I came, when I came when I came back and started going through all, I was like, "Whoa, okay." I, I did not expect. Arkansas to be able to pull this one off. Selman Bridges, one of the best corners in the country. He is committed to Arkansas out of Lake Belton in Texas. Arkansas doing a fantastic job if you're not keeping up with them right now, especially the the top-end talent some of the guys are bringing. Belton, or excuse me, Selman Bridges ranked the number 50 player overall in 2024, number six corner. 6'3", 170 pounds, got a track and field background as well. Drew, I like this cat. I love it for Arkansas. Uh, and you think about what Arkansas has done. I mean, some of the guys that they are bringing in this year, just off the top of my head, we talked a lot about Courtney Crutchfield, Ashton Bethel-Roman, Charleston Collins. You throw in a guy like Selman Bridges. I mean, that top four is about as solid as they, they come anywhere in the country. That's an interesting way to look at it because I was going to say when I go up and down this commit list and they're seven, number 17 right now, 16 guys committed. I mean, there's there's a lot to like in terms of what the Razorbacks have, like Norrell White, you didn't even mention him, K.J. Jackson, the quarterback, Braylon Russell, the running back, who I compared a little bit to Rocket Sanders last week. I mean, a lot to like with the with the class, but yes, certainly the headliners – it feels like the past few cycles, Arkansas has had depth in the class, but they haven't had this star power. Now here in 2023, you look at the top of the board and you're like, whoa, okay, this is this is a little bit different. You got to give it to them. I, I wonder, and I'm not saying this as a negative, I, I wonder if Arkansas is starting to get it going a little bit in terms of NIL. I mean, putting the two and two together, I would I would think so. Well, they're doing a good job. I mean, guys like Crutchfield and Collins, you have to keep home. Being able to get Norrell White out of Mississippi is huge. K.J. Jackson, a solid, solid early identification and uh, evaluation by Dan Enos. Julius Pope, another guy we haven't really talked about like him. Then T.J. Metcalf, cousin of D.K. Metcalf, very good football player. So Arkansas, they're getting it done. They're in the top 20 right now. They're the most sneaky number 17 class I think I can remember at this point. They got a, they got a lot of tools. Well, just you're, you're starting your prep early for all the signing day stuff. I'm, like, yeah, I'm excited hey, about that. Hey, hey, what what top 10 class 
or class outside the top 10 you love that was like south carolina last year right that was just the the program that that kept jumping up when we had that conversation but right now it's arkansas drew this one like you want to talk about of all the names that we've hit on today the best fit dylan jones to wisconsin running back out of maryland number nine running back in the country and when this one happened i know you were out of the country but i thought of you immediately because we there there were times where you and i were not singing the same song on dylan jones and i i was on the the opposite side kind of saw more later day three i think you were you were a little bit higher on him i have i've seen the light come <laughs> back to dylan jones and i'm i'm a big fan of his i mean one excellent patience vision at the line of scrimmage i love the short area quickness can make the first defender miss but he is physical he plays a physical brand of football that i think is built for the big 10 the other thing that you see out of him that you don't see in a lot of running backs at high school level he is a very very willing pass protector and i love that about him so his physicality his downhill running style i think is a match made in heaven for what luke fickle wants to do and that is a uh, position that Luke Fickle at Cincinnati, you think back to guys like Jerome Ford. I mean, they have relied on that bell cow. I think Dylan Jones can be that guy for him. So what's crazy is I went and I wanted to do some reading. Like what, what is, what is the Wisconsin fan reaction to Dylan Jones? And it seems like everyone likes Darian Dupree, their other running back a little bit more. They, they value, which, which has me, eager and excited to fi and fired up to to dig into Dupree a little bit because I, I love Dylan Jones. He was my alpha dog of, of the Under Armour camp in Baltimore back in May. Um, you mentioned everything about him on tape and the, the pass protection. I, I think he does have three down capabilities, especially after him, watching him run routes against a very talented and deep group of linebackers. Like, that's what kind of pushed it over the edge for me. As I, I was like, all right, this guy can be a receiving option. He can pass protect. He's physical. And, and Coop, what I think is unique about him in, in that physicality is he's also a pretty good wrestler. I think he took fourth in like at the Maryland State Meet Tournament at, in the 100. You don't see that a lot from running backs. But all right, this guy wrestles. Does it make sense that he can, he can, stand in there and, and, and block for his quarterback. So Luke Fickle was a wrestler. Important note there. Side note. Did they, yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. So yes, yeah, sorry to, sorry to keep no, going. You're, you're, so I, I mean, I think Wisconsin's going to lose uh, Braylon Evans and Braylon Allen, Bray, yeah. Braylon Allen. And who's the other running back? Ches. Uh, Ches Malusi. Yep. I think Dylan Jones. And then, Darian Dupree. I mean, if you you want to bank on an early freshman to play in or freshman to play in twenty twenty four, I would look to these two guys. Gotta like it, Wisconsin man. I'm ex I'm I'm excited about Luke Fickle led Wisconsin. I think that's I think he's going to do the same thing that he right. did at Cincinnati. Look at the player development there. Now you take a guy that we just described insert him in that str same strength program now in now in Madison it's like all right you've always been a big fan of Brady Collins haven't you I am coach I am because I've seen I've seen players on the recruiting trail 
And Bill, I'm like, no way. And then they go to that program two years later, you're like, whoa. He's good, man. He's got the juice. I was at Cincinnati for a few months, maybe two, two and a half months, when Fickle took over for Tommy Tuberville and was fortunate enough to be around that staff and Marcus Freeman at the time, defensive coordinator. Luke Fickle came in, and I'll, I'll tell you this about Luke Fickle. That was not a first-year head coach. I think that experience that he had as an interim head coach at Ohio State paid huge, huge dividends for him as a head coach going forward. But one of the more impressive transitions I, I think I've ever seen. Um, speaking of a guy going through a transition right now, Matt Rule, Nebraska. Back in the saddle, Matt, Nebraska drew out of number 18 in the country, and it doesn't feel like fluff, right? Like it feels like. It, it feels not, like legit top 20. They're not. So you're saying they're not star chasing or anything like that? Correct. It feels like I, I like the quality of players that they're bringing in. And it seems to me like he's just following the philosophy that he's been following his entire career. Missing smart, bringing in the right guys. This time they go to Hawaii. They get Preston Tamua, number 11 ranked interior offensive lineman in the country, number 207 in the top 247. Drew, I like the I, I like the way this kid moves. This is a good pickup out of Hawaii, and if you need to get your beef, I think this kind of makes sense if you're Nebraska to go out west. And I, Hawaii is so like strangely untapped right now, and it's also unclaimed. Like like typically in the Pete Carroll era, that was that was the pipeline that you saw. And right now, it seems like Hawaii is open for business. So I think if you're a team like Nebraska, it makes sense for you to go out there and kind of capitalize why nobody has their, their flag planted out there. I think there are teams that are are trying to invade and take over, right? We had Blair Angulo, co-host of the 24-7 Sports College Football Recruiting Show. He was on, what, was that May? Talking about how Arizona State was trying to get – involved in in the 50th state and then I, I think he said arizona's been in there as well but no i look at nebraska's class 24 commits from 11 different states and they're just everywhere north carolina florida hawaii like you said it seems like matt rule has arrived with a plan and he's executing right getting the guys in the backyard carter nelson uh Daniel Kalen, Kalen's two receivers, Davion Hall, Isaiah McMorris, and then he's going to other regions and plucking guys. And I think this is this is the recipe for success there in Lincoln. I'm excited about him. And, and I fully expect them to continue to be super active in the transfer portal too. And that's not something that he really had access to at his time at Baylor. So I'm, I'm excited to see if Nebraska can really mold themselves into a bounce-back developmental program. And I think some of the ways you can sell Nebraska is, you know, a lot of people would negative, negatively recruit you in regards to geography. But what a great opportunity to come play come play in front of one of the best fan bases in the country and just focus on football. That's it. 
no distractions. With a guy that's been on the other side. Correct. All right, Drew, last one. Malcolm Ziegler, number 17 safety in the country. Top 247 edition for North Carolina. I like this one. This one had Gabe Brooks written all over it, national recruiting analyst from, from Texas. Malcolm Ziegler, big frame, Drew. Six foot two, 198 pounds, a guy that has a track and field background. The numbers were kind of the numbers that I could find versus the numbers that were reported. I'm going to have to go back and do some more research. There are reported numbers of 1079, 1094, 1095 this spring. I think I could only find a sub 11 1. So I'll have to go I'm back on it. I'm on it right now. That right now. So Drew's on that. Re regardless, at 200 pounds plus, those are very good times. And regardless, it shows up on tape. And this is a guy who plays a lot of corner, who projects to safety at the next level. I, I love his ball skills. I think he's all over it. High football intelligence instincts. I think the transition to safety is going to be really natural. I, I love this gift for North Carolina. I like what they're doing at, at defensive back. And, you know, that's kind of why I made sure this one made it on there. I mean, Coop, wasn't it recently you had to give the mid mid spring ACC grades or something? And you gave you were pretty harsh on North Carolina, right? <laughs> I mean, this is not to call not to call you out, but it, since then they've added some some star power to the classes. How I was going to follow that up? I think Ziegler is the highest ranked guy. I mean, he is he's the headliner, but they also flipped Zion Ferguson, a, a cornerback from LSU. Uh, got Tyshawn White, another high three star for us out of out of the Peach State. Um, Jalen Thompson, a safety from the Orlando area. He is a 10-6, kid. Um, and I think there's some diversity in this defensive back group in terms of different sizes, different frames. I think Malcolm Ziegler's a lot like this this Jaden Patterson kid that they also got from Mill Creek. He played alongside Caleb Downs last year. Um, a guy with some skills. So I, I just think North Carolina deserves some credit for what they've assembled and they have to be close to, to done. I mean, 24 commits right now. It's interesting. It, it seems like the majority of the programs are two thirds of the hay is in the barn or the majority of them are done before the fall. Kind of seems like the, the, the new pattern that we're seeing here. I think that's something to, to kind of keep an eye on and on Drew and on North Carolina, I think North Carolina is a incredibly capable program of being like a very efficient year in year out top fifteen recruiting program in the country. I, I I think they're fully capable of doing that. I think two years ago they had nine top two four seven signees, and then last year I want to say they had zero, right? So to me it was kind of like all right the up and down. And the ebbs and flows of North Carolina, I know they're capable of being one of the more and I and I say efficient because I feel like they just they have a recognizable brand. They're in a very advantageous part of the country. I think that's a, a, a program that and and this is nothing against Mac Brown. If you pressed the but if you pressed every button the right way, North Carolina could be could be an issue in a positive way. 
I would agree with that take. So I don't know what that looks like, but that's just I think that I think there's some more juice there in that program. And that's not to say that Mac Brown isn't getting a ton out of it already, you know. Hey, you mentioned uh two thirds of the hay being in the barn for a lot of these schools, right? Conservatively, I think. I mean, if I had yeah. to look back at the numbers. And then you had SEC media days kicked off yesterday. I'm sure you you overheard some of that, but I thought an interesting thing when it was uh, the commissioner. Is that right? Am I right? Greg Sankey? Yeah. He was talking about changing the calendar a little bit, alleviating pressure for staffs in December and January. Do you, did you catch wind of that or no? I did not. Okay. He was just talking about how that's one of the worst times of the year. And I was talking with a college staffer just about the current landscape. And this staffer told me his theory is he wouldn't be surprised if if college camps became a thing of the past. And I was like, whoa, like, what do you, what, what do you mean? Just talking about if you look at the current June, it's all about official visits now. Like how many how many evaluations are really being made for rising seniors in the month of June? And I'm like, man, that's a, like these, these camps have already turned into showcases for the upcoming juniors and and sophomores. And I just, I thought that was an interesting take and it's, it's true. I feel like camps have just, have just died off. So I'm not sure what's talking about like summer camps. camps. Yeah. Like camps hosted by colleges. Yep. Like what's the incentive now if you're some of these schools to to host some of these summer camps? I think it's more early identification. I think it's I I agree with you. I think it's less about the rising senior and more about now what we would consider the but you gotta be two thousand twenty six and twenty five. You gotta be buttoned up. For sure. You have to have an operation in place for that that to matter is I guess what I'm saying. But I mean, I, and this is, I feel like you could probably count on one or two hands. How many programs would be able to even handle that? I know. (laughs) Right. Because, and that's, that's nothing against any other program, but you think about everything that they have to handle in terms of sheer volume already. I mean, think about your staff, right? I mean, you got official visits, during the summer now with official visitors they're not capped to five official visits right then you have the summer camps which you mentioned i mean anytime you talk to a college coach it's just like they, they don't know which way is up because they're being pulled in so many different directions which is why you're seeing a lot of guys leave for the nfl which i think the majority of guys but they're they're seeking a better quality of life. Well, I don't I don't have the answer. I just thought that was. I feel like changes are forthcoming in terms of how the evaluation calendar is put together. I just I don't know how or or what it'll look like. All right, Drew. Final thoughts? Anything? We didn't even talk about Rutgers' big big win over the weekend. I was actually going to hop in regardless. Um, had you brought that up or not? But uh, it's a big dub. And you know what the funny thing about it is that so usually I'll text Ivan's after Rutgers gets a kid from Florida 
And I'll say like, oh, what are your thoughts? Obviously, I didn't want to bother him on his honeymoon. So I just wrote in that group chat that we have. I said Rutgers. I said something along the lines like Rutgers owns the state of Florida. Um, but uh, that was a big – that was surprising. I didn't see that coming. I thought it was a Louisville or Florida State, and then he picks Rutgers. And uh, I'm sure a bag was dropped. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, hey, you got to play the game to win. So – Talk about Kevin Levy, athlete out of out of Florida. <laughs> Do you like him? I'll ask you now, Evans. What are your what are your thoughts on 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 him and uh, what he's going to bring to Piscataway? I think he's got tools to work with. I I think he's got Power Five starter upside. Um, kid who won state title in the hundred meter dash as a sophomore. Do not know why he didn't run as a junior. Oh, I've heard stories, but I'll leave that out. Um, no, he's he's. He's got some stuff to work with, and uh, it is crazy because I don't even remember Rutgers being part of the conversation. Like, when I left, it was, all right, maybe he's going to Florida State, and then it was like Louisville, and then Illinois, and then I know where he's just committed to. Well, I know I know he took an official visit here, um, but yeah, I going into that commitment, I wasn't even paying attention to it because I didn't think we had a chance, and then... My dad texted me. He's like, wow, we just got Kevin Levy. And I'm like, what are you talking about? So, good win. Where does where, where is Rutgers recruiting class? 31. Look at They're that. 31. That's not too bad. Look, Rutgers is never going to be a top 25 class on a consistent basis. Once in a while, Shiano can get it done. But if we stay within like 31 or 30 to like high 30s, right? You go 31 to 37, 30, even 31 to 40. Like we're in that range on a consistent basis. Like especially with the big 10 getting rid of division soon. Like we'll be okay. Be okay. Well, I texted you guys last night that the thing I saw on college football, Reddit, the uh, recruits all name team and uh, Rutgers had two guys on there. Who is it? Ter- Terrence Salami. I think is one, probably one of the guys. No, Ty clean Lumen and oh, Ty, Ty, Ty cool. Yeah. Those are two Florida guys. There you go. Well, two Canadian guys, I think. Right. But move to Flor- Florida. Floridians by way of Canada. There They're not go. the only ones here. There you go. Did y'all see that somebody asked Jimbo about Cam Coleman yesterday? No. During his press yeah, conference. I saw that. As if he could, like, what are some of these people thinking? That was pretty how, wild. Good how for was, Jimbo. I'm, how was I'm it, glad he didn't. How was it phrased? I think, I, didn't just, I think Jimbo responded in the like along the lines of, like, uh, we can't talk about him, but, like, you can confirm that, like, he, they're recruiting him or something. Correct. Yeah, I think the question was, uh, what are your thoughts on – <laughs> five-star commit cameron coleman and it's like oh, oh man yeah what would have been bad if, is if he asked that question jimbo didn't know that and then all of a sudden you got a deal like oh i mean yeah that could have it could have been a lot worse so good for jimbo, Props to jimbo. The rules. you know jimbo you know jimbo's got to be all uh all, He's all over it, man. recruiting rules Come it on. up sec media days our boy josh pate over at Lake Kick, 24-7 Sports. He's all over it. I saw his interview with Brian Kelly this morning. He's I comfortable like, in that chair, man. I like watching it because who like Drinkwitz basically tried to give the longest roster update he could so he didn't have to answer any questions. <laughs> and uh it's just I, I always enjoy hearing, all right, like this 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 freshman is finally, you know, we think he's going to play or this guy's finally come along. That's what I, that's what I like about the media days. 
and I know to probably a lot of people that's just coach speak, but I always find it interesting to hear, all right, this guy's going to play or, or whatnot. I, I just got so bored after watching Greg Sankey talk, man. And, and it's not just him. Like, I feel like all commissioners are going to be like that, but some of these, these guys are so boring to listen to. Like he's so boring. Like mm -hmm. let's throw some pizzazz into it, man. Like, they got to be emotion. efficient, man. They're businessmen. They're businessmen at the end of the day. All right, I think we hit our Rutgers quota for the week. That's like the third straight week we've talked about Rutgers, Lance. So we're officially a Rutgers show. Lance, any final thoughts since you're on here? I'm good. I'm good to go. Got my Kevin Levy point in. Let's call it a wrap. All right, Drew, you good, bub? I'm good. All right, guys, we appreciate you listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Like I said earlier, make sure to subscribe to the show. Also, leave a review, especially for our mailbag show on Wednesday. If you have a question, that is the place to drop it. So for the rest of the Oyster Boys, for Andrew Ivins, producer Lance Glenn, I'm Kirby Stadman. We'll see you tomorrow. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Is a raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, one love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.